Harp on Sports with Seth Harp. You know what time it is. Three, two, one. Let's do this. Go, bartenders. Go, food needs refill. All righty, Harp on Sports, the bar podcast, audio, media, radio network. Follow, share, like, subscribe at Harp on Sports on all of your platforms. That is how you can hit us up. Again, the podcast available for you, Spotify, Buzzsprout, Apple Podcast, HarpOnSports.com, HarpOnSports, the YouTube page. So there we go. What are we going to do? Playoff possibilities. Everybody's analyzing the playoff and what could have been, and this team could have gone here in Georgia and Alabama. Uh -uh. You know how everybody wants an expanded playoff? Eight teams, 12 teams. I'm going to look at what that was going to be because logic would tell you the committee wouldn't see differently, right? You're going to see differently for 8 to 12 than you would for 4? If you really take it serious past 4, then this should hold true, shouldn't it? So we're going to look at that. Also, you know, Florida's got a new head football coach, Billy Napier. Billy Ball is what I am calling it. We'll see how long it takes for that to pick up. But he's different. And, oh boy, oh boy, it's going to be different because he's trying to change the culture of a fan base who is, quote-unquote, new money to the game, last 30 years, success. Florida didn't have a ton of tradition until, what, 30 years ago, until Steve Spurrier changed things. So this is going to be interesting with what Billy Napier has said at his introductory press conference. Going to look at that as well. And a little hardware. Heisman Trophy is going to be, Bryce Young is going to walk away with it. But I'm going to tell you who else should go and also, what we're looking at NFL-wise with a month to go in the regular season. Okay, starting off with this. College football playoff, they got it right. Fine, whatever. Those four teams are those four teams. They should have gone. They should have. Cincinnati beat Notre Dame in South Bend. It's a better body of work. Yeah. Beat more top 25 teams than Notre Dame did. Cincinnati belongs in that thing. The debate between two and three, okay, doesn't matter. The debate between one and two. But look, you could have put Michigan one, I guess, but Alabama has the most impressive win in the country. Michigan's got a nice win over, what, third or fourth-ranked Ohio State at home? Alabama just destroyed the unanimous number one team on a neutral site. So I get it. I get it. But what I wanted to look at for the purpose of this is where we would have been with an eight-team playoff. And this is what I looked at when it comes to the eight-team playoff. Why isn't Alabama and Georgia playing each other? Oh, we don't want a rematch. Do you realize with an eight-team playoff, we'd have had two of them? An eight-team an eight team playoff would have looked like this. Number one, Bama. Number eight, Ole Miss. Rematch number one. Number two, Michigan. Number seven, Baylor. Number three, Georgia. Number six, Ohio State. Number four, Cincinnati. Number five, Notre Dame. So if you were going to go to an eight-team playoff, you'd have had two rematches. Two. You okay with rematches? Because you'd have had two. That's where we would have been with an 18 playoff. By the way, the teams we'd have been who'd have been on the outside looking in: Oklahoma State, Michigan State, Utah, and Pitt. So, in, so in an 18 playoff, in an 18 playoff, using just the criteria of the top eight teams with no automatic locks, two of the Power Five conferences would have been on the outside looking in. So you expand the playoffs, and you still would have two conferences on the outside looking in. Utah, the Pac-12 champ, would have been on the outside looking in, and Pitt, the ACC champ, would have been on the outside looking in. Okay, there's where you would have been if, you, if you'd if you have gone to eight. So, would it have been cool with that? 
would have been cool with Alabama Ole Miss rematch. Georgia, excuse me, Michigan, Baylor, uh, okay. Ohio State, Georgia would have been extremely intriguing, but Notre Dame and Cincinnati would have had two rematches. Okay. And again, two Power Five conferences would have been on the outside looking in. They're champions. When you get to 12, teams really start to get hosed, but you include conference champions. Here's what it'll look like if you were at 12 using today's data. Again, the top four get buys in the 12-team playoff scenario. So your four teams in the college football playoff, buys. One, Alabama sits around to take on the 8-9 matchup. The 8-9 matchup would have been what? The 8-9 matchup would have been Ole Miss, Oklahoma State. So under a 12-team playoff, Alabama sits. They await the Ole Miss, Oklahoma State winner. Okay, you may be, all right. Michigan sits around to take on the Baylor Michigan State winner. Michigan sits around to take on the Baylor Michigan State winner. There's another rematch potential. The next game would be Georgia sitting around to take on what? At that point, it'd be 6 11. They're the three seed. Georgia would take on the Ohio State Utah winner. Now, with 12, you pull a Power Five champion in, is what you would have done. And Cincinnati would have taken on the Notre Dame Pitt winner. So Cincinnati takes on the Notre Dame Pitt winner. There's another potential rematch. Georgia takes on the Ohio State Utah winner. Michigan takes on the Baylor Michigan State winner. And Bama takes on the Ole Miss Oklahoma State winner. That's what this would have looked like with 12. So with 12, you add the Pac-12 champion and you add the ACC champion. So with the rankings, you would have brought those guys into the fold. But here's what you've done. You've absolutely hosed teams that went to their conference championship game and lost and rewarded those that didn't get there. Iowa got there, lost, gone, gone. Oregon gets their conference championship game, loses, out. Wake gets to their conference championship game and loses, out. The first four out in that scenario were BYU, Oregon, Iowa, Wake with a 12-team playoff. So again, I mentioned what happens at the 18 threshold. You get a couple of rematches, and two Power 5 conference winners are out. With 12 teams, you get all your Power 5 conference champions in, but what you do is you immediately punish teams that went to their conference championship game and lost and reward those that didn't get there. How do I know that? Because I know it this way. Notre Dame doesn't play in a conference. They get through. Ole Miss gets through because Oregon, Iowa, and Wake all lost. Ohio State gets through. Michigan State gets through. Ohio State, Michigan State, Notre Dame, Ole Miss. All didn't even play in a conference championship game and would make the playoff under that scenario. So you know how everybody likes to rip on Notre Dame and say they didn't make a conference. They, they don't play in a conference. They didn't go to a conference championship game. Everybody's duking it out, and they didn't even get to go. So with a 12-team playoff, you're going to be okay with five or six teams sitting it out while other teams duke it out and get beat? The best thing that can happen to you, the best thing that can happen to you with a 12-team playoff is what? Go 11-1, and 10-2, and almost. You, the best thing that can happen to you is a Michigan State, Ohio State, or Ole Miss scenario, or A&M last year. Go 10-1, and 11-1, 10-2, almost get there, sit, watch a bunch of conferences clash, and then move your way up the ranking list because everybody got beat. You know how they go, well, 8 will fix it, 12 will fix it. 
None of it fixes it. None of it fixes it. You're right back where you started. Now, do you include more teams? Yes. Do you make more money? Absolutely you make more money. And that's the name of the game with all of it. It's about money. So there's what the college football playoff possibilities would have looked like with 8 and 12 teams this year. Bunch of rematches. Conference champs getting hosed with an 8-team system. With a 12-team system, punishing everybody that went to conference championship games and rewarding a bunch of teams that didn't even play last weekend. And then setting up a bunch of championships in the next, or a bunch of rematches in the next round. See, there's no perfect system. None. So there you go. All right, a little Billy Ball for you. Billy Napier, new head football coach at Florida, gets a big deal, $7 million per. You know, what I think is funny about this, and just reading Gator fans' comments and seeing them online, this is what's funny. Brian Kelly gets paid, what, almost $10 million a year to go to LSU. This is what I hear all week. Hey, he's overpaid. Not just from Gator fans, everybody. He's overpaid. $10 million a year. What's he won? He gets to the college playoff and gets worked all the time. What's he ever done? Well, he won, what, 55 games in the last five years at Notre Dame and more than that. Took him to a couple college football playoffs. Took him to a bunch of New Year's Six Bowl games. Didn't win a championship. Oh, okay. Well, Billy Napier's hired at Florida. He didn't win a championship either, but okay. Brian Kelly's making $10 million. He's overpaid. In a decade track record at a big boy level, but okay. He's overpaid. Okay. The other guy, way overpaid. Lincoln Riley, what's he done? Well, he's gone to the college football playoff a couple times. Yeah, he's got drilled every time. Yeah, he's won the Big Ten a couple of times, or Big 12 a couple of times. Ah, so what? He gets worked over. What's he done? Well, he's the head coach for two Heisman winning quarterbacks. Yeah, whatever. Okay, overpaid. Oh, okay. So Lincoln Riley at $9.5 million overpaid. Brian Kelly at $10 million overpaid. Florida just gave $7 million a year to a coach that lost to Texas this year by 24. Worst season on record in Texas in 30 years. His only loss was the only time Billy Napier in Louisiana played big boy program. They lost to Texas by 34, 24. $7 million a year. What do I see? Our social media pages? Worth every penny. Oh, he's going to be great. You got, you, got, you got to risk money. Scared money don't make money, his quote. Oh, Okay. So Billy Napier, who won the Sun Belt twice at $7 million a year, worth every penny. Brian Kelly, who's gone to a couple college football playoffs with recruiting restrictions at Notre Dame and that pressure cooker, overpaid. Got it. Lincoln Riley, who's given Oklahoma two Heisman Trophy winners, goes to USC, overpaid. All right, got it. Got it. I like Billy Napier. I like his attitude. I like his approach. I've lived in this state now for almost seven years. Gator fans. <laughs> Nick Saban, he's trying to change a culture. Trying to change a culture, which would be very interesting. Because Nick Saban changed a culture, but how did Nick Saban change a culture? He won a bunch of national championships. So he got everybody in lockstep. And everybody bought in. But it it took Nick Saban a while to get everybody in lockstep to get everybody to buy in. It took him five or six years to get there. But he got him there. He got everybody there. So how does Billy Napier do that? What's interesting is all I heard for the last three months was everybody complaining about Dan Mullen's recruiting, Dan Mullen's recruiting, Dan Mullen's recruiting. He doesn't recruit, doesn't recruit. Billy Napier gets here, gets asked a recruiting question, says, eh, 
look, we're, we're going to take our time with this. The, <laughs> after Florida fans have circled recruiting, took a knife and stuck it to the wall. Recruiting, big red letters, piece of paper, took a knife and stuck it to the wall. Billy Napier comes in and says, eh, not my main concern right now. We need to get good players in here. And when Billy Napier said, I'm not concerned with four or five stars, it's like, oh, baby. Oh, baby. Fan base is obsessed with it. Now, you cure all this by winning. You cure all this by winning. But Billy Napier's approach, Billy Napier's approach, is going to make having is going to make that Utah game to start the year next year very difficult to win. I like Billy Napier's approach. He's looking around going, this is going to take more than a year, gang. I can't, we're not just going to flip this. Record-wise, the schedule is weaker next year for Florida. But you should expect a seven uh, by the by Billy Napier's approach, this is a seven-five football team next year. It's going to take a while to do this. He wants to build, you know, a foundation all the way up. Look how long it takes to build a building, a skyscraper. Takes years. Look how long it takes to build a bridge. When they did redid the Bay Bridge out in Oakland, would that take like nine years to build that? It takes a long time. A long time to build that stuff. So I thought that would the way Billy Napier approached that just fascinating. Recruiting, we gotta get somebody to recruit, somebody to go after Kirby Smart and go after Nick Saban. Billy Napier comes in and says, I'm not worried about four or five star guys. I'm worried about getting guys at work. <laughs> Everybody loves a new coach. Unless you're Tennessee. Everybody loves a new coach. Everybody circles and, and supports him and wraps their arms around him. And that's a good thing. You need that. You need that. But for anybody, anybody to sit here and say that, you know, after two months and worrying about recruiting, what Billy Napier said today hit home with them because they believe in the same things. Everything that I've heard from Gator fans for the last three months, recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. Need to get on it. Need to nail it. He basically came out and said, eh, eh, be patient. Billy Napier is re-healing a torn ACL. Billy Napier is fixing a UCL, little Tommy John surgery. Everybody thinks you're dealing with a broken finger. Wrap it up and go. Mm-mm. It's the type of damage he's dealing with. So there's that. Oh, by the way, the Heisman, a little hardware here. It's over. Bryce Young's going to win it. And what he did against Georgia, he should win it. He should. I thought Aiden Hutchinson was my vote last week. Aiden Hutchinson played well against Iowa, but Bryce Young went through and carved the nation's best defense, allowed 83 points all year. They scored half that in a game. Well, Georgia allowed 83 points all year, and, and Bama goes out and scores 41 points against them. Just ate them alive. So I get it. I get it. Bryce Young wins it. Aiden Hutchinson should finish second. Willie? Don't know. From there on, force going forward. So there's that. And, and the other thing that I think is so important here. It, I, so if I were voting, I'd have one would be Bryce Young, two would be Hutchinson, 
Three would be Pitt's quarterback. And four would probably be C.J. Stroud. That's what it should look like. That's what the Heisman Trophy finalists, that, that's what New York should look like. Will it look like that? We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> coach of the year, just really quick. Um, Nick Saban should win coach of the year, Willie. Don't know. What do you have to do? He had to replace six starters on offense, and here they are. He had to replace six starters on offense. Six. Well, look at all the talent he has. Doesn't matter how much talent he has to plug those guys in and immediately do what they've done. Nick Saban should win coach of the year in the SEC. should win coach of the year collegiately. He probably won't. Fickle probably will win it. But good gracious, man, what a year for Nick Saban. Maybe his most impressive coaching work yet. And I think it connects at the hip. Why? Because it's going to tell you who's going to win coach of the year in the NFL. It's got to be Bill Belichick, right? With a month to go in the regular season, Bill Belichick's got to be coach of the year, doesn't he? Patriots are the one seed in the AFC with a rookie quarterback. The last team to be the number one seed with a rookie quarterback was anybody? Pittsburgh Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, how fitting of an end, huh? How fitting of an end. So, yeah, Bill Belichick's got to be coach of the year. Saban should win it. Dickel probably will. Belichick should be coach of the year. Kingsbury will probably win it. Should as opposed to R. And I told you the Heisman winner with a month to go. Bryce Young's the winner of the Heisman with a week to go. With a month to go in the year, the MVP is probably what? Right now, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers right there. The guy that's on pace to set a record is Miles Garrett for the most sacks in a season. But they're going to make the playoffs. Is that enough? I mean, he's going to end up with 22, 23 sacks, but is that enough? Jonathan Taylor at Indianapolis is going to end up with close to 2,000 yards rushing. But if the Colts don't make the playoffs, is that enough? I think he can still get in there a little bit. But to me right now, it's a two-man race. And, you know, Kyler Murray getting hurt. The guys have missed a lot of games that would normally be up there. Aaron Rodgers being out. Tom Brady right now is probably going to win the MVP again. At least with a month to go, it looks like he's going to win it. How about that? Oh, really quick. Again, two coaches in the SEC got replaced this year, right? We have two new head coaches in the SEC. New head coach of Florida, new coach at LSU. There's always two or three openings. The three most likely openings next year would be what? To me, it's Eli Drinkwitz. He's going into year three at you know Missouri. If they go four and eight or something like that, after three years, he could be on his way out. I look at a guy like Mike Leach in Mississippi State. He's seven and five. If he struggles next year, he could be out. That would be three years for him. And Jimbo Fisher at A&M. He's 8-4. and four. If he goes 8-4 and four again, is that enough? There's other guys. What other guys? Guy at Arkansas is not going anywhere. They got Can Kiffin. Stoops just went 9-3 and three at, at Kentucky. You got Can Heupel. Well, we have five, four guys in the SEC that were in their first year this year. First or second year. Five guys in their first or second year. So, yeah. Okay, Auburn's in his first year. So that, that if three guys I think you circle is could be in a position where Mullen and Orgeron were, would be Drinkwitz, Leach, and Fisher. So there you go. Harp on Sports, the bar, podcast, audio, media, radio network. Follow, share, like, subscribe at Harp on Sports on all of your platforms. Spotify, Buzzsprout, Apple Podcast, Harp on Sports Facebook page, and HarpOnSports.com. Check it out. Pretty cool website. And remember... Stay clean, stay focused, stay strong. Frankenstein, have fun with your friends.